The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. I'm Ian Stone and welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic and featuring huge anticipation followed by massive and crushing disappointment. To help us through the grieving process, I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning, guys. Morning. <laughs> hey, so great to see you. Uh, look, just think of us, kids, as some sort of bread poultice, all right? What we'll do for the next half an hour is we'll suck the poison out, okay? I'm not sure people use those things anymore, but people used to, in the old days, people used to put a bit of meat on a bruise and it would bring it out, essentially. So that's really what we're doing, the massive bruise of last night's pasting uh, at uh, the old Armitage Shanks Toilet Bowl Stadium. Before we get to that, me and Amy have a chat pre-show when I say, why don't we do this for an opening question? And she goes, no, 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 that's rubbish. We won't do that. We'll do something else. <laughs> and she makes a suggestion because I was saying biggest disappointments. And she went, really? Is that what you want to do? And I thought, oh, no, no. But what I'd like to do is not talk about uh, what happened last night. So Amy came up with a mastermind subject that you would choose if it wasn't Arsenal. Uh, Amy, what would be your mastermind subject that you would choose if it wasn't Arsenal? Uh, the complete comedy works of Ian Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. I mean, that's very nice. Niche, I would suggest. Uh, in Ian Stone's 1998 show, uh, he did a routine. Yeah, 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 something like yeah, that. Yeah, all right. Um, okay, probably won't be that, really. No. Um, I'd probably have to go for uh, some sort of 1980s music. Uh, if I was going to get a little bit... Um, Thinner, uh, I might go for the the who, if you don't know about them, well, one of my favorite bands, right? For me, okay. Uh, uh two minutes on your specialist subject of <laughs> the the. Uh, and what about you, Adrian? What would you would you go music because I'm going pre- music? I feel a right saddo here because I was like, when, when I, I found this out about 10 minutes ago, I found this out about 10 minutes ago that we were talking about, and could I think of anything? I mean, this that's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a 47-year-old man. I should know about loads of stuff. But the truth is, I just I just know a lot about current football and, and, and football down the years, I suppose. I think I think if it was anything outside football, it would be Oasis, 94 to 96. Mm. First two albums. Early, pre- early pre- stuff. I was pretty obsessed by Oasis um, in the first two albums. Lost interest beyond that but yeah I knew a lot about what was going on back then but the the standout thing and it's weird still to this day it is FA Cup finals from 1981 to 1993 basically my my childhood um I can remember every every match every uh score every goal you know could you do every lineup uh, no, <laughs> probably not. Probably not that far. But with a little inter- bit of revision, perhaps, perhaps. But that's yeah. interesting, actually, because FA Cup finals. I I would sort of been the same from about 1970 onwards for about 30 years, and then as around 2000, I, I just go. I 
Well, I don't know. I mean, from two thousand, my recollection is very sketchy. Yeah, it's yeah, strange, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, and I'm sorry <laughs> we upset you, uh, uh, Adrian. That's Amy's choice of question. Just to, to show. Well, up. I mean, come the, on. The would, lack you rather, of depth. would you rather? Would you rather trawl over miserable defeats that weren't last night? What no, was but not bad, me. What was worse? I mean, please. No, but I'm thinking of Adrian and his lack <laughs> of interest in our, anything else. I'm now we've showed of our it up. Dear listeners, who need. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. I'm having the jam. I'm having the jam, by the way. Of course I'm having the jam, because I don't know if you know, but I've written a book about it, and uh, it is available uh, in all good bookshops. I have to be someone... See, I gave you that on a plate, Ian. You, you you're did. You're moaning about me, you know, taking off your idea. I was now, thinking look about... what I've done for you. I was thinking Assist. about our fellow panellists, all right? That's all it was. It was It was a bit of altruism on my part. Anyway... I'm, I'm pleased for you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Having interests. Yeah. German cooking, 1942. That's maybe not 1942. That wouldn't have been a great time. Anyway, the point is... Uh, oh, sorry. Just, just, just before we leave all this, when you were talking about the steak on a bruise thing earlier... Yeah. I mean, is this something you experience? Does it, does it work? Why does bread it work? Poultice. How does it work? Basically, well, I, how it no, works... steak. I, you said steak on a bruise. Meat. Like, meat. It didn't what? have to be steak. I imagine like a fillet would probably do better than, say, a rump. I don't really know. But essentially what would happen is if there was something wrong, like a bruise or something, you'd put meat on it and then tie a sort of band... Somebody up. somewhere's had a massive joke. Look up. I have to... <laughs> no, listen, I remember being in the hospital at the age of 12 uh, on a Friday night and all sorts were coming in uh, to A&E back in the 80s. And no uh, one put meat on anything. No, I, I remember a guy staggering in <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a piece of meat over his eye. Yeah. Yes. That's the used only to time br- I've ever seen it. See, but it so does. People it does. must believe, but I just would. I'm just interested in the science of whether it's absolute bull or whether in it, the science there is some whether it whether it's just an old wives' tale and people <laughs> are going around getting meat to put on their skin, or whether yeah. actually it has a, a use. Now I'm wondering. Now I'm wondering all the time when I had like a bit of meat on an arm when I'd fallen <laughs> over, and I'd be going, "Yeah, it's working." And, my, and all my fans would be looking, "Look at that idiot with a bit of meat on his arm." Gary go. Lewin always had a he always had a cool box with some meat in it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have a barbecue later on, but first, <laughs> let's uh, let's help Adrian's damaged knee. Um, anyway, <laughs> the reason we're doing this is because we obviously don't want to talk about Spurs three, uh, Arsenal nil. <laughs> I cannot give you an honest assessment because I will be suspended for a long time. Before we say what we think, uh, here's James McNicholas, who had the unfortunate role of reporting uh, from the game last night. Here's his on-the-whistle thoughts. Full-time here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham 3, Arsenal 0. Uh, about as bad as it could have been, really, from an Arsenal perspective. Almost everything that could have gone wrong did a bad, bad night, and I think the suspension of Rob Holding and the injury sustained by Gabriel will almost provide as much concern as the final score in some ways. I mean, it's still in Arsenal's hands. If they go to Newcastle and win and beat Everton on the final day, they can finish in the top four, but they'll have to put out a pretty makeshift defence by the looks of things and desperately hope Ben White is fit to return to the starting lineup. It was an incredible atmosphere here, it pains me to say. A white-hot crowd who had a lot of uh, anger at Arsenal for delaying this fixture when it was supposed to be held back in January, postponing. 
that plus the chase for the top four really had the Spurs fans riled up. And Arsenal's job was to try and take the emotion out of that, to try and uh, dampen the atmosphere. They ultimately didn't have to come here and win. They had to come here and not lose. And I think, if we're honest, some of the players got a bit sucked into that atmosphere, particularly Rob Holding, of course, who was sent off after a, a few exchanges with Son. I don't think you can have too many complaints. The penalty award, well, I think that was much more debatable. But ultimately, you know, Cedric ducks out of that challenge. Um, he chooses not to jump, and that's why he's in the way. Had we had Tommy Asser at right back, maybe it would have been a different outcome. Huge job now for Mikel Arteta to steady the ship. He talks about, you know, other players on the boat. Well, the boat is rocking right now, but there's still a huge prize ahead of them if they can just win those final two games. And that's what he'll be impressing upon them. But he might have to cobble together a defence in order to do it. All right, guys. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you, James. Adrian, I'm going to ask you first, right, as someone who's played the game. Um, I said before the game, this would be possibly the hardest thing that most of our players had ever had to face. The most hatred, the most stifling atmosphere. I mean, essentially, aside from Saka, Xhaka and possibly El Nene, none, none of them have any experience of playing in a game of that size. Do you agree with James that basically it got to them? Uh, by the way, I'll include the manager in this as well. Um, <clears throat> it's difficult to say because everything turned on the on the penalty decision. I, I, I thought we started quite confidently, genuinely. I thought we were on the front foot. We looked quite okay on the ball. We were knocking it around. We were we were we didn't look phased by it up until the penalty, but then. It's how we reacted to the setback and that disappointment, and I think that's 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 the problem with this team. If you're looking for for faults and areas to improve on, the the one huge glaring issue is how this team reacts to setbacks, and and we didn't react at all well to this setback. We didn't react well to Leeds scoring at the weekend. We haven't reacted very well to every first goal that's been scored against us this season um we our record by the way from one nil up uh, from one nil down is is one one lost nine scored three conceded 24 that tells a story doesn't it of of, of not being able to turn things around so what yes. happened was we we were frustrated we were disappointed by that penalty decision and then we let that and the atmosphere absolutely get to our heads i think the rob holding um had a had a really iffy uh, 30 minutes on the pitch um, the goal uh, for the penalty I, I actually would pin more blame on Holding yeah, than, me than too. Cedric me um, too because it's his man yeah. um, Son darts behind Holding Cedric's just covering Cedric's got his other man there's nowhere really for him to go he collides with, with Son when his feet are on the floor not in midair um, and it's not a penalty. It's it's just a coming really? together. It's just really? a coming together. It's never okay. a penalty. Yeah. Uh, can I ask Amy that, by the way? Because I've read various people saying it's not a penalty. I've got to be honest, sitting at home watching it, I thought, yeah, I see what that's given. And I think Theo Walcott said it in the, uh, uh, afterwards, if it was at the other end, we'd all be wanting a penalty. Do you think it was a penalty, uh, Amy? It, it didn't feel like the strongest shout to me. Frustratingly, and I think in a game of this significance and magnitude, uh, it's unhelpful to say the least. But Adrian's completely right. Uh, I, you know, I thought Arsenal made a perfectly respectable start to the game. 
um, and we're actually managing the atmosphere quite well on that first 15, 20 minutes. But even the way that they reacted to the penalty uh, award showed that that fragility of their composure. I, I mean, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about that's you know an area of, for improvement and how you go. To, I, I don't know how you change that. It's a very specific thing. How do you respond to going behind? You know, obviously you prepare for starting a game, but somehow Arsenal got to prepare for that particular situation because. No matter how good you are, you're going to go behind sometimes. Isn't and that experience, though? It, I don't know. I mean, but great teams have the capacity to come back from that, and great players do. They don't get too sidetracked by uh, a setback. Yeah. It's like it's like when you get bad news, okay, is it in, in general life, but you've got a job to do. You know, you have to crack on. You, you're upset. You, you, yeah, you're, you're in bits, but you... I don't know whether you're, you're able to do this. I'm I'm all right at this actually, in terms of being able to just park something and concentrate on something, and to try and do that job properly, and then to sort of think about the bad thing afterwards. And and I think that that's that's the key. I think this Arsenal team is a little bit immature in the way that they react to to setbacks, and and they can't seem to get it out of their head, and 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 they let it affect their confidence and. And their flow, and you, you, like you say, Liverpool at Villarreal were terrible in for forty-five minutes. But they 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 managed to sort of put that to one side, and then second half it was like a brand new team, wasn't it? And they and they they were like the old Liverpool. I think that that's the lesson to be learned, really. Just kind of kind of forget it and just think of it as nil-nil again. That's what you have to try and do. Um, and I would like to think that Mikel and the coaching staff are, are trying to preach that. That message to the players, but it, it hasn't sunk in this season. Not, yeah, not even close. Go on, Amy. I, I remember a few years ago going to do a piece with uh, with the referees with uh, PGMOL. Um, a, a, a past period of quite a lot of controversy. Uh, I managed to get uh, the opportunity to go and spend a day with referees, assessors, and see what they actually do, and. We went to the game and then spoke to the officials as well and various people like that. And it, and it was quite interesting because obviously what they do is, well, complicated, let's just say. And one of the things I really remember that they absolutely regarded as fundamental in the whole ethos of refereeing is essentially responding to setbacks. You will make a mistake. You might make a bad call. You might make a controversial call. You might have a problem to deal with. But if you do, and that happens in the first minute or the third minute or the fifth minute or the 25th minute, you can't let your head go. You've got, you have got you. can't think as a ref, I might have to make that up later on in the game. You know, I've given a soft one there or the pressure's on here. You have to take each and every decision. Or even if you watch it back later on match of the day and you think, mm, you know, maybe I didn't call that right. You have to bin it immediately. And they almost educate them as young referees, to try and learn how to move on very, very quickly within a game and try and judge everything in its moment rather than affected by the past or possibly the future. And I guess it's probably a little bit of the work for the club psychologist in that regard, you know, to work with the players to get them to be able to A, park things quickly and B, have, you know, 
go back to positive thoughts as quickly as possible because sort of you know it it, it was an unhealthy th- those stats you say are are damning yeah in itself but on top of that I think maybe Arsenal didn't help their own cause to try and respond to this particular setback because the way the team is set up, because some of the problems were maybe a little bit invited and self-inflicted. And I think one of the further questions that is interesting about this game, not for today and not, you know, maybe for the summer or maybe for looking forward is, you know, Mikel was obviously really upset and really angry with the officials, clearly. But... At some stage, maybe he looks in the mirror and thinks, did I call this game right? Did I did I make the right decisions? Because yeah, there was a lot of uh, conversations and, and, and whispers going around that Arsenal were going to go with the back three. And I think this whole time, this whole period where uh, the full-backs have been out without Tierney and for a spell, Tomiyasu will maybe putting Tomiyasu on the wrong side. There is a way to alleviate some of that pressure by playing three at the back. A back three of of, of Gabriel Holding and Tomiyasu with wing backs might have been a more um, productive way of trying to deal with the dangers of, of Son in particular and Kane and give a safer platform for Arsenal to try and attack. But that's not the way he went. And um, the way the way he went didn't really work. You know, the previous occasions, Conte's got a pretty bad record against Arteta and nearly all of those have been match-ups in yeah, terms three, of four, the, the strategy. And again, for whatever the reasons, that's not what Arteta chose. But it's easy after the event, I guess, to be wise and think it, it might not have been different, who knows. But on the outside looking in, it looks like it might have been a more secure way to handle things. Yeah, going up, getting Cedric and holding, going up against Son seemed like a a little bit of a mismatch, really. Um, In terms of Rob holding, I mean, I understand the point you guys are making that we settled into the game quite quickly, but Rob holding did three fouls on uh, on Son and you knew that he was going to get a yellow card uh, at that point. I mean, I said to my mate, God, if we had a replacement, I'd take him off now because I cannot see I cannot see him lasting seventy minutes up against Son in the way that Son was playing and running in behind. Yeah, he had a mare, Rob Holding. I don't want to. I, I like that Mikel Arteta didn't throw him under a bus after the game. I I I actually thought it was a mad interview when he stood there on Sky and just talked about the referee and I can't say what I think. And you thought. Either you're deluded or you're just basically protecting your players. Um, Adrian, did you like that interview after the game? Do you know what? I haven't seen it because it, uh, straight after the game, I got on the train, got home, and then I went to bed, and now I'm doing this. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't um, seen it. I've read the quotes. Um, I, I get the frustration because the, the penalty did change it, did change the course of the match. The, the the red card, even though Holding certainly had it coming, I did think that that he was just blocking off a, a pass. Um, I, I didn't think there was any malice there. Um, I think the sun. No, son of, no I didn't. No, um, I just thought, I just thought no. he slowed down to block him off, which defenders do all of the time. The sun wasn't going to get the pass; it was well over hit, and and yeah, he blocked him off. But sun runs forcefully into his shoulder. That's how I saw it. Um, there was one replay that looked bad, where you know you could say that he leans the shoulder in, but if it's shoulder to shoulder, which it could easily have been. It's nothing. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought the referee was poor, but but holding was poor, and and it was a mismatch, wasn't it? And I think it was classic when you're not as good as the striker you're up against. You're not as quick. You try and rough them up, and it backfired from Rob Holding. You tried to get embroiled in a in a sort of wind up game, and Son was too cute for him. He was too experienced. He's too too smart, and uh, yeah, he won that duel hands down, and 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 Arsenal. Yeah, had nowhere to go, did they? From from t- you know, from from one nil down with ten men, it was. Well, it one was nil down from game. ten men. Sorry, mm. one nil down from ten men. You bring on a centre half, you take off one of your forward players. I don't know which one. It would upset me whichever one they took off. But you're still in the game at one nil. Yeah, down. I understand. Why didn't he make under- the sub? I understand Why it because well, we we lose him, we lose him. So and you've got Tommy Asu who can who can play at centre half. So he didn't. He wanted to 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 see how it went for a little bit. Yeah. To to because I don't want to sacrifice an attacking player now when we need a goal, maybe two, because we're down to ten men. We might need two here. I don't want to start taking off my attacking players. I I kind of understood it. Um. It obviously in on hindsight it it didn't work. In hindsight, the team selection didn't work. Um, that that third centre half would have been very handy, I think, and and it would have would have alleviated that that clear weak link which was Cedric and Holding together on the right side of our of our back four, which on reflection, you know, was a was a bad call, but but I again I understand the logic because he he was saying no, we're not going to change our way for Tottenham, we're confident, um, and we're gonna we're gonna do our thing. And and in the first twenty minutes we were, and and who knows how it might have turned out. I, I, yeah, I think if he had another go at it, he would have gone with the back three for sure. Um, but but yeah, hindsight but, is a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Amy, Amy, is this? I would just want to ask a more general question. Um, I mean, James has said. Um, James wrote a piece saying Arsenal have been carrying several squad players in their starting eleven for some time. Sooner or later, that will catch up with you. Um, is this in? Is this partly a, a, a result of not spending money in January when perhaps we could have strengthened a little bit? And is this is this game and, and what happened last night indicative of where we actually are? I think uh, I'll start with the second bit and say that where. This game isn't particularly in the isolation isn't indicative of where we are. Um, let's discuss that in you know in another week or eight nine days or whatever it is. Yeah, because if uh, if Arsenal win the next two games or if Tottenham choke up against Burnley and Arsenal end up in the top four, yeah. um, I, I'm not sure what the point is of saying where Arsenal is is indicative of based on one match. It'll be based on the season as a whole. It's clearly, you know, it hurts because it's them. Um, did it feel much better the morning after the same result away at Crystal Palace? <sighs> Not really, because everyone thinks about Arsenal and how it affects Arsenal first and then the nature of the opponent comes into play. Um, but it has been a slightly strange season in that regard of, you know, some really fa- fabulous little sequences of matches that give you enormous optimism. And then these kind of, uh, I'm not sure bumps in the road is, is quite strong enough, but, no, you know, these potholes, yeah, these craters, <laughs> this guy's these potholes are, um, are, are, are really de- feel very debilitating. I've been yeah. impressed by how Arsenal have been able to 
bounce back from sort of positions where you think, well, that's it then. Um, and I hope that the same can happen now because it's two more matches. And if somewhere they find the fuel in them that produced the performance at Chelsea, which sort of sub- came from the depths of despair of the previous yeah. three matches, and then that carried into, you know, uh, Man United and West Ham and so on. That's what's needed now, whether it can be replicated right now with possibly uh, even thinner resources. It's hard to say. So go back to your original question about whether spending in January would have been good. Well, I think everybody understands what happened in January and the reasons for it. Really, were the, the only positions they looked at strengthening were centre mid, where there was a, a, an attempt to get Arthur Mello from Juventus, which didn't materialise. Would he have made the difference yesterday? Hard to say, really. And, uh, you know, obviously the striker situation. Uh, and I don't think Eddie was the biggest of the problems yesterday. Although I think when you try and, interestingly, because I got a piece of paper out and started looking at, you know, what would be your best team from the season if everybody was fit and on form? And, and uh, you know, compared that to what Arsenal put out yesterday and the amount of positions that were impacted. And it was quite heavily impacted at the back where obviously, <laughs> very obviously, yeah. you would you would like to pick Tomiyasu, uh, um, Tierney and Ga- White. Gabriel, Tierney and White. Yeah. And you would like to have Thomas Partey uh, in, in front. But actually, the sort of forward part of the team is more or less what you'd be picking. OK, you might pick Smith-Rowe instead of Martinelli. Um, and then the centre-forward position... Actually, if you were to turn around over the course of the season and say, in my dream team of the season, who do I pick? It's quite hard <laughs> because at a point you'd say Oba, at a point you'd say Lacazette, and at a point you'd say Nketiah. And I think that tells a bit of a story as well, that there isn't really a clear front runner, if you like, for you know who's been the best centre forward for Arsenal over the season and not having enough options. It always felt like something where you thought, would it, you know, surely having a another option, whether it was some loan signing or whatever from January to call off the bench to be, a, you know, a striker might have helped. But again, looking at what happened last night, would it affected last night? I don't know. Yeah, our, our team of the season would be in a four six zero formation, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd, have, you'd have Smith Rowe in there and no striker, wouldn't you? It was, it, but but you're right to highlight this. Only one member of the back four was in their proper position, and I think that's important. And and obviously no parte. So the so out of your your, your defensive five, yeah, yeah, one of five yeah. are really where you want them to be. And if you want your attackers to 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 have the best platform to shine. You need that solid base, and and we didn't have a solid base, um, which was why attack, in my view, was potentially the best form of defence in the game. And I, and I wasn't, I never for a moment thought that that parking the bus and, and and playing deep was going to be the way, the way forward here because of, because of that. Um, yeah, we, the, the great frustration for me is is uh, is that we won't know what would have happened because. The penalty until Spurs scored the penalty, their fans were on their back. We were pushing them back. We 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 began to frustrate them. They were kicking the ball out of play. It it wasn't that impressive from Spurs until that sort of bolt from the blue. And from there, 
they were galvanized and they they were incre- they were very good from that point i think you have to accept that and yeah. we were very bad and um yeah that's that's the great frustration because the game hinged on that that huge flashpoint coupled with holding a few minutes later all right I mean, listen, we can talk more about it, but in the end, uh, I sort of feel like Mikel and the boys want to move on, so I sort of feel we should move on <laughs> as well, really. We got beat. Let's. Uh, we got another massive game on Monday, and let's be fair, they can celebrate all they want after last night, and I'm sure they will and did. Um, we win our last two games. We're in the Champions League. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. I'm going to ask a question that might annoy you now, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I asked James a couple of weeks ago. Amy just looked up there. I was quite funny. He's going, oh my God, what's he going to say? Here we go. Um, <laughs> Amy, I'm going to ask you this, all right? Would it be better for us to qualify for the Europa League because we have a chance of actually winning it uh, and having a bit of fun and we can test out squad players? The best we can hope for in the Champions League, in my opinion, even if we add a couple of players to the squad is is a is a brave exit in the in the last eight maybe round maybe last eight probably more likely round of 16 possibly the group stage i mean the champions league is all glamour and everything but we're nowhere near the standard that we need to be whereas europa league we've got a chance of winning it and it'll help with the development of the squad I, I, am i right in thinking that there's with well, I think it's still the same formula, isn't it, in the Champions League? But the new formula that they're going to do, that people still tip into the Europa League? Yes, yes. And that would be a good result for us if it happened, if we got in the Champions League, because we're going to get, we're not going to win the Champions League, are we? So I guess I, I'm asking the question for development of the team. You think of all the young players we brought through from the Europa League campaigns in the last few seasons. Would it be better for us to start slower? Not to I, un- leap- I understand the logic fully. Uh, and I think that probably from the planning point of view, it's probably more likely where Arsenal were thinking might happen. So to get in the Champions League, if it happens, would be maybe slightly ahead of schedule. However, I don't think it's sensible to turn around and say, I'd rather not be in the Champions League than be in the Champions League, having been out of it for the length of time that it's been. I think if you asked Mikel Arteta, any of the players, any of the hierarchy, the owners, you name it, never mind the fan base, they want to be in the Champions League. So I think we I think we deal as best we can with the fact that it might be easier for squad development to be in the in the Europa. But nah, isn't it better sorry, to play? Be isn't it better for League. development of, of of Saka and Smith Rowe and all these guys to play against the world's best? Mm-hmm. Isn't isn't that isn't it better to learn from from playing at the very highest level? I think it is. I think yeah. I think when you get you get used to levels sometimes as well um, as a player, it might take you a few games to climatize. But once you get to that higher level, it's like actually I feel quite comfortable at this level now, and 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 and, and you've improved a little bit 
as a player because you have to think quicker, you have to do things every, a little bit sharper. So you have to be a bit cuter to beat your man than maybe you do in the Europa League. No, I think it's absolutely better for us to be in the Champions League and, and however we do, we do in that in, in, in that competition. It obviously also helps us sign better players because, you know, I know, I know for a fact that the Arsenal have a list of players that they're targeting if we qualify for the Europa League and they and, they, and a list of renewals potentially and they have a list of players that they target if we get in the Champions League and 99.9% of the fans would rather um, have the players on the list um, for the Champions League let me tell yeah. you okay. <laughs> not that okay. I've seen it <laughs> no no but okay I just, I'm just sort of interested in, in what people say about that because I, I must admit I sort of pretty much I quite I certainly enjoyed the Europa League for the last few years more than I enjoyed the Champions League for the few years before that when we were sort of ritually humiliated by the first <laughs> decent team we came up against I guess it is a get out isn't it Amy in the end I mean it's what you said even if we lost the game against Tottenham when we spoke on the podcast last week um, we still have two games to go and um, if things don't work out and we end up in the Europa League, I, I don't want to have the full inquest now, but we're making progress, aren't we? Oh, I think overall this season has been, a, a, you know, lots of steps in lots of right directions. Uh, while it's been imperfect and it's had difficulties, if you can't see that things are heading in the right direction, then you're not looking very hard. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, uh, let's talk briefly then about Newcastle on Monday night. Um, that also, by the way, is going to be a bit of an atmosphere, is it not, Adrian? Uh, yeah. th- you know, it's their last home game of the season. I imagine the owners will be there. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll want to impress. They'll want to stick around and be part of that project. I'm sure. So they'll tear into us. We are going to have. I mean, who knows who's going to be playing in defence uh, mm. or in the team generally? Do you think it'd be a bit of a miracle if if Mikel Arteta managed to pick them up from this and and no. they went and got a result at Newcastle? No, no, miracle's too strong a word. Um, we're a better team than Newcastle. And we're more than capable of winning the game. But it, you're right to point out the atmosphere. I covered the game there, Newcastle-Liverpool recently. It was really lively. You know, Everyone's happy inside the stadium now. They're up for it. They've got the flags out. They will make a song and dance about it being the last home game of the season. And I always think the home side in the last home game of the season have a better chance than normal because they want to go out on a high in front of their own support. So it's going to be a challenge, no doubt about that. But in the same breath, Liverpool probably should have won won the game that I watched, you know, three or four nil. They won it one nil. Arsenal are capable of producing something similar, but they'll have to be they'll have to play with much calmer heads than we saw at at, at the toilet bowl. We'll have to they'll have to be um, yeah, just just more calmer, more savvy, yeah. more yeah, just more intelligent than they were in that game. Newcastle will come at them. They'll look to press. Um, we. They don't have a very defensive midfield. They have a really attacking midfield, so we can get at, or we can play through them. I think, um, and we can get their defence. You know, it's 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 okay. They're not that yeah, good. They're, they're, oh, they're not an amazing side. No, um, we're capable of winning the game, no doubt about it. But it is about how we handle the atmosphere, how we handle the the pressure, and about decision making. And you know, decision making in key moments cost us at Spurs. We we have to get our decisions right in this game. In terms of the fabric of the of the team, I mean, who's going to be in the defence? Got to be, I suppose. Why it has to play with Tommy Asu, I guess, at centre half. 
With Cedric and, and, and Tavares at fullback? I mean, What's I don't know Saliba up to at the weekend? Is he, <laughs> yeah, is he I don't know. About? I mean, it's, it's not ideal, is it? I mean, there is a potential, I suppose, that you you put Xhaka at centre-half um, and, and bring in a Tomiyasu, but I don't know whether that's necessary. Amy, um, what, what do you think about uh, about the makeup of the team for, the, for uh, Monday night? feel like I need some more time to think about it. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, who's around, isn't it, really, to a certain extent? It's who's available. And um, and we just pick the best 11 we can from there. Yeah, is really. Perma a sack of fit? Can he do a joke? Can he do one more, one more game for us? <laughs> How are you doing, Adrian? Can you get up and down? No, I actually can't. No, no OK, um, fair enough. The uh, No, it's, uh, it is far from ideal, but... But we've got the ability to score goals in the game. and They've got no doubt about that. But it, it's going to be a challenge. And, and obviously, the, the challenge could intensify if, if Spurs win, as, as they probably are expected to do against Burnley. It just sort of piles on that, that pressure because then a draw. A draw isn't good enough because, yes, yeah, Spurs and Norwich away is a, an easy final game, can isn't it? For can them? I just say that if any team can spank their local, their fiercest local rivals in their home stadium in front of a just baying crowd, and then four days later blow it at home against Burnley. It is, of course, Tottenham. And we do have to keep that in mind as well. Uh, uh, they will have celebrated long and hard that, and they're welcome to it. But I'm, you know co- what? I'm, I'm a co-commentator top- on that game. Are I'm you? Gonna be, I'm going to be so biased. Excellent. Yeah, for talk sports, sort of global audience, it's only outside the UK, but you can listen around the world to this one. And and, and yeah, I'll be, on, I'll be on co-coms and... And yeah, I, I don't won't be able to hide how much I want Burnley to win. I, I apologise to to the the audience ahead of ahead of schedule. I will not be neutral here. I, I don't think there's any need to apologise to anyone. <laughs> not this audience. Not, not, no, certainly not uh, this audience. Um, all right, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see on Monday. Um, I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about. Uh, let's have a song before we go. Have we got Have we got a song? I must admit, I didn't really think too hard about a song. Adrian, have you got a song? Yeah, it was Yeah, just a couple of minutes before we came on air. I was like, oh, I need a song. And the one that came, came into my head, for whatever reason, is... Uh, Rolling Stones, we can't always get what we want. And, 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 you know, in terms of last night, it felt like we all wanted it so badly. You know, the dream of claiming Champions League at their place. We were all so excited. The pubs were absolutely... I was at Emirates last night and and the pubs around the ground and in the local area were absolutely rammed. There was that sort of... It's like a title-winning night expectation and and we didn't get what we want so we can't always get what we want but but it doesn't mean that in a week or two's time but if you try sometime (laughs) you might find there you go You know what? You might not have much in the way of breadth of knowledge outside of the football, Adrian, but that was very, very philosophical, and I can definitely go with that. What have you got, Amy, for us? Well, I was just trawling around miserable 1980s songs, so I'm quite keen to go with Adrian now uh, on that note, because mine are just too miserable. No, no, I think Adrian's... I I couldn't think of much that wasn't... I'm pretty much the same as you, just it was all about misery, oh, misery, misery. For that, and I thought... I had the Pixies' Waves of Mutilation as one of my options. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. We've got to do what the players have got to do, right? We have to bin it. You used the phrase bin it earlier. I said park it. We have to just 
erase it now. For, we have to, yeah, look ahead. We we haven't got what we wanted, but it's about grabbing it now, isn't it? Comics, comics always have a thing where you you can't celebrate a good gig or or moan about a bad gig beyond after breakfast the next day. So we've had breakfast. We've had this is the podcast breakfast, if you like, and uh, and uh, to go back to the meat analogy, we've sucked the poison out. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be looking that up afterwards. They've all Poultice. had they've all had bar, uh, baths, steak baths. Did they do such a thing? They could <laughs> fill the great bath. giant bath in the stadium with. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. With a lorry would... from Godfrey's the Butchers in, uh, on Hyde Park. I have Barn no and... idea how you'd administer it. But anyway, uh, we're going with Adrian uh, with the song. And um, yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday morning, uh, hopefully with something a bit more upbeat. Uh, thanks to Amy and Adrian, and thanks to Abby, our producer. I'm Ian Stone. Have a nice day. See you. <laughs>